Good morning. Greetings in Jesus' precious name again this morning. Appreciated the things that have been shared so far. Devotional, children's class, and all those things. And for this morning's message, I invite you to turn again to the book of 1 John, where we'll uh, continue some of our discussions of 1 John. You know, there's uh, the book of 1 John is a, is a real treasure to the church and especially the latter church of the latter times in that uh, you know you have uh, you have the the gospels you have the writings of Paul you have many things and and Paul's writings actually uh qualify for what I'm going to say as well. But you know how it is. You can have, you can take a given portion of scripture, you can take, have ten different individuals uh, read that portion of scripture and you can, and those ten different individuals can give ten different uh, interpretations to that scripture. And uh, like we had said earlier, uh, in an earlier message, you know, um, John's an old man here. I'm forgetting all the timing, but I'm thinking that uh, the church, the church was, John was in his 90s. He was he was a shepherd for of a of the of the New Testament church for. I'm thinking it was close to 50, 60 years, and uh, in that time. There was uh, quite a lot of uh, diversity coming out on what the gospel actually is, how it's interpreted, and uh, what does it mean. Um, and so you have all these different voices. Uh, and then along comes the Apostle John and just clears the mud and this is, in fact, what the gospel really is. It's basically what he's doing. And uh, he he's so definitive, so clear, and uh, even probably, um, yeah, it's so definitive that it it makes you wonder how people can still continue to preach gospels that are far removed. Uh, I'm reminded of our, our message last Sunday that Frank had, and, and in a sense, uh, today's message will, comes right on the heels of that one, and I'm just saying kind of what he said in a different way, different words. So the 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 the, the uh, book of First John is a is a real treasure, 
uh, in that it finally, if you got a hundred different interpretations of what the gospel is, if you read the book of First John, you're going to sort out quite a few of those hundred, and if you read it honestly. So today we are in First John chapter two. And uh, beginning in verse 3 through verse 6, and we will also pick up several other verses in the book, because his, uh, his subject matter does, while he moves through, he, he repeats some of his subject matter a few times to a point. So today's title is Obedience, a Mark of, Disciple, of a Disciple. Um, so let's uh, let's just uh, start by reading several of these scriptures. First John two verse three to six, and hereby we do know that we know him, if we keep his commandments. He that saith I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that abideth in him ought himself also so to walk, even as he walked. And then turning to chapter 3, verses 22 to 24. And whatsoever we ask, we receive of him, because we keep his commandments and do those things which are pleasing in his sight. And this is his commandment, that we should believe on the name of his Son, Jesus Christ, and love one another as he gave us commandment. He that keepeth his commandments dwelleth in him, and he in him. And hereby we know that he abideth in us by the spirit which he hath given us. And then just across the page, uh, chapter 5, verses 1 to 3. Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone that loveth him that begat loveth him also that is begotten of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and keep his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments, and his commandments are not grievous. Maybe, if you're able, let's stand together and we'll have a short moment of prayer. Heavenly Father, we again are here in your presence and uh, asking you to be present with us. speaking to us from your word today. May the Spirit give understanding as his ministry is that of teaching us what the word of God really means. Help us today, Lord. Bless each one present. Bless those who would have had a desire to be here and were not able. Meet all of our needs. Uh, Give all, give all of us something that uh, is beneficial, that is helpful. 
and uh, helpful to our never-dying souls, helpful to our journey of obedience, helpful to our walk of faith. Lord, again, be with us and bless us, we pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. All right, obedience, a mark of a disciple. By these scriptures that we read, we discover that uh, obedience is not really an optional subject, is it? Uh, You know... I don't you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to picture what was on the board here the last uh, week. The, um, the basic uh, general, uh, not sure if it'll come back to me or not, but the, the idea that uh, you remember that, tri- that triangle, that uh, the, the, the one being that. Um, our sins are covered, the belief that our sins are covered, and when God looks on us, he sees not us, not us as sinful beings, but the righteousness of Christ, and the other being that of where the Spirit of God actually works, and as a man, as a person yields themselves to God, the Spirit of God actually makes us holy, and uh, the other kind of... Uh, Sees us, sees us, sees our, us as uh, simply uh, we are sinners. The 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 grace of God and the work of Christ at Calvary uh, covers our sin, and therefore we're good to go. Uh, in the sense that you know, when we get to the end of life, we we're accepted in the glory and the merits of Christ and how we've lived is not that great a determining factor. It's simply the fact that we believed in Jesus. And that's that's the modern, that's the, not modern, that's the, uh, that's the, the prominent uh, concept of living for Christ. Just a belief, uh, kind of ca- uh, carrying it in your back pocket, uh, kind of doing life as however it uh, flows out uh, and not a lot of focus on uh, sanctification and holiness and walking with God and obedience and those kind of things. And that's where the Apostle John uh, comes along here and says, uh, if we hereby we know that we know him if we keep his commandments he that saith i know him and keepeth not his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him and uh, uh john just simply whew, clears everything right out and says okay if you say that you know god but you're not keeping his commandments then you're lying and whoa okay whoops that should that should jar and sit up 95% of American Christianity to say whoa what are we doing you know but that's not happening rather the the concept is that uh, like we had like uh, alluded to that uh, because I believe in Jesus now God sees the righteousness of Christ when he looks at me and doesn't see my sinful life and therefore, I'm okay. 
And that's an unfortunate situation because that's that's where uh, that's where the deception comes in, and unfortunately, many uh, live in that reality. So, is obedience option, optional? Can we be a Christian and choose to disregard the teachings of our Lord? John says not. <laughs> the Apostle John says not so. As we uh, quote at verse 4, He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments is a liar, and the truth is not in him. Jesus' own words in Luke 6.46 says, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? So that was Christ's own words. And, and uh, when we think about Christ's words like that, we know why John could emphatically say you're a liar if you're not uh, walking in obedience to the Lord. Ephesians 5 verse 6, Let no man deceive you with vain words, for because of these things cometh the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. And I don't know if you've ever pondered what that phrase means, children of disobedience. You know, we understand unbelievers and believers. You know, it's one camp and it's another. Here, we're talking about, or the scripture talks about children of disobedience. Uh, That's a sobering one. Who are they? We certainly don't want to be children of disobedience. And then, the familiar scripture there in Matthew uh, seven in the Sermon of the Mount. Again, the words of Jesus. Verse 21, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name In thy name cast out devils, in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. I'm going to stop there. Of course, that that scripture, we may have referred to it uh, further along in the message. uh, The familiar one of the wise man and the foolish man building their house on the rock versus the sand. But the beginning of that verse, uh, again, Jesus saying, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Not everyone making a profession, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Um, Yeah, obedience is not optional. Maybe we could ask the question, why is obedience so important? Uh, It's obviously not an option. Uh, You know, it's not something we can choose whether we want to or not. Uh, When we look at some of these uh, verses that we've been uh, considering, we could maybe ask, well, why, why is it so important?
You know, in in uh, in Hebrews five verse nine it says this, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation. Shall we stop there? Unto all them that obey him. So. Why is obedience so important? Well, he became the author of eternal salvation, but is that just a blanket statement? Is that just a um, an end in and of itself? No, not necessarily. Unto all them that obey him. Like I uh, kind of referred to earlier, salvation is not a... Our salvation is not a ticket that we carry in our back pocket to show... When we get to glory, that we have the proper document to enter. Salvation is a relationship that is established with God, with Christ, when we repent of our selfish, sinful life and yield our will to His will, thus making Jesus Christ Lord of our lives. So, salvation is is a relationship. You know, we talk about uh, in in the garden when Adam and Eve sinned, there came a separation. They could no longer face God with an open face. They hid. They ran for cover when God came because there was sin. And uh, that sin separated them from, uh, severed the relationship with God and when there is a and and now that we have the Lord Jesus Christ and his blood shed for our sins and when we respond correctly when we respond in faith and repentance we can have that relationship restored with God and with Christ and so salvation is in fact, that relationship restored to where we again have that open fellowship with God and salvation and uh, that relationship must be maintained throughout life. It's not just some, th- some, some little event that takes place, but it's a life, life journey where that relationship is maintained through life. And that relationship is maintained by the the same posture of heart that it was established at in the first place. One of repentance, one of faith in Christ, one of obedience. Um, You know, why is obedience important? Because um, the the Lord knows the, uh, the Lord knows what for environment we need as individual people in order to maintain the relationship with him he knows what for environment we need and his commandments are intended to provide that environment he does not just give us do's and don'ts uh, and commandments and instructions simply because he wants to be uh, hard on us he gives us specific direction because he knows what for environment we need in order to maintain a the relationship with him, which is 
uh, in essence, is our salvation as we we've started and we walk through life with Him, and uh, and and cross the finish line, being faithful in that uh, relationship with Him. You know, we've heard the the statement already. He is either Lord of all or not Lord at all. And that's that is a true statement. Uh, we can't we can't yield or or profess Christ to be Lord of our lives or uh, if we're not going to allow him to be Lord of all of our life. Um I'm going back to First John again. I just want to draw out verse five of chapter two of First John. We already read it, but who uh, it says this? But whoso keepeth his word, in him verily is the love of God perfected. So, why is obedience important? Whosoever keepeth his word. In him, truly, is the love of God perfected. And that's, uh, that's what we want. We want the, the love of God to be perfected in our lives as we continue our journey. Uh, that should be the, the goal. And it's uh, as we walk with him, as we obey him, is, is the environment in which that happens. You know, when we think about and going back to my statement about he is either Lord of all or Lord or not Lord at all. You know, I, I looked uh, the, up the definition for Lord in the in the sense that that we have here, uh, not and I'm looking at it in the sense of. Um, you know the word Lord in in one definition it can mean this supreme deity you know and he's out there somewhere up there you know somewhere uh, but in another sense uh, a more general definition to us and what it should mean to us when we say about uh, when we use terms like uh, the lordship of Christ or he's Lord of my life. Uh, that's not just a nice term, but it should actually mean this. A person having power and authority over me. So if he's Lord, then he has power and authority over me. That's what it means to be if he's my Lord. He has power and authority over me. And we're familiar with the... Uh, uh, let me turn to that. Uh, the scripture in Philippians 8, when we think about Christ and uh, Him having power and authority. In other words, does He have the right to ask us to obey Him? Does He have the right to say, if you, keep my, uh, if you love me, keep my commandments? Uh, Philippians 2, verse 8 and we'll read a number of verses here. As we think about this, the question, does Jesus, in fact, have that? Is he, in fact, in that place of, of, uh, of authority over our lives, uh, in a place of power and authority? Verse 8 of, of Philippians 2, And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself 
and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore, God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven, things in earth, and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and disputings, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. Okay, so kind of answering, uh, going back to answer our question, does Jesus have that kind of authority? Is he the one who is all power and authority in my life if I uh, claim that he's my Lord? I think this scripture makes it uh, totally clear. Uh, God, because of what Christ did, because of the, the, his willingness and his obedience to the Father and, to, and, and going to the death of the cross and, and uh, shedding his blood for our sins, because of that, he has been given a uh, an exalted position that, as verse 10 says, at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow and every tongue should confess. Uh, you know, basically, if we if we don't. Uh, you know, there there are those obviously who um, refuse to bow the knee to Christ, obviously. Uh, refuse to accept. Uh, there may be some who don't know enough about him to bow the knee to Christ. Uh, that's a reality in our, in our world. But there are those who do know and refuse to bow to his authority. Uh, refuse to give him that place of all authority in their lives. Uh, but the day will come when they will actually recognize that. Uh, but for many it will be too late that he is in fact the one. So does he, uh, why is obedience important? Uh, and uh, then kind of answering the question, does he have the right to uh, ask us to obey? You know, we had, um, we have have had in the last year have had our governor asking us to do quite a lot of things uh, or things differently than was the norm and even the questions came up and even uh, in even now in our in our uh, Pennsylvania courts they're trying to determine if a governor had that much is allowed to have that much power to to say so many things that in the face of a pen, of a of an emergency trying to figure all of some of that out. But when it comes to the Lord Jesus Christ, there is no question, is there? You know, when it comes to human beings, there, there can be questions. Uh, do you actually uh, have the position to uh, require that of me? Do you actually have the authority? 
did you go through the proper channels to get that authority, or did you, were the proper channels gone through to get to, to make that law or whatever? But with Jesus Christ, that's not a question. He is Lord. He is. He has earned that place, and he can. Uh, he can. Uh, he has asked us to obey him. So obedience is a mark of a disciple. Uh, Obedience is not optional. Obedience is important. And the next point I'd like to consider is that obedience cannot be substituted. You know, in uh, going back to that scripture in Matthew, just referring to that, where uh, Jesus, Matthew 7, Jesus says to says that not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. And then he goes on and says, Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, ye that work iniquity. You know, it. It. Uh, you could spend a lot of time, and maybe we should at times spend more time trying to understand what what actually did this group of people miss? That Jesus had to say unto them, to say to them, "Depart from me, uh, ye that work iniquity." Uh, or he said before that, he says, "I never knew you." Uh, so there, all the things they were doing, they were obviously doing things in Jesus' name, uh, according to the scripture. But those things that they were doing did not substitute for the will of God, for doing the will of God, as Jesus said there, uh, but he that doeth the will of my Father. So we can't, uh, we can't look at life and decide, okay, you know, I'm, I really, this, this, this area here is tough and I, I just don't think I can handle doing that, but I'll do this and that'll suffice. Uh, there's no substitute for obedience. We're all familiar with uh, uh, Samuel and uh, Saul there in uh, 1 Samuel 15, 22 and 23. You know, Samuel, or Saul had uh, supposedly, he, Saul, Saul said he had obeyed the Lord in destroying the Am- uh, Amalekites and, and uh and all those things, and then Samuel says, "Well, what meaneth the bleeding of the sheep I hear? You know, oh, the people did this." And anyhow, Samuel's response to Saul was in in First Samuel fifteen twenty two, and Samuel said, "Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of rams." For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected thee from being king. So in, there's another example of uh, um, obedience. There's not a substitute for obedience. Uh, Samuel, Saul... Yes, uh, Saul had actually uh, uh, 
we might have done well to read more of the previous verses, but Saul had actually said they brought some of the things to sacrifice. You know, some of the uh, sheep and things that were supposed to have been destroyed. All the people brought them to sacrifice. Okay, Samuel says is is uh, obedience is much better than than sacrifices and offerings, burned offerings. So as we as we uh, go through life, that's something uh, to keep in mind. Uh, you know, to disobey in one area and hope to obey in another area to make up the differences is not an option in, in the uh, in the Christian life. And there's a lot of, uh, you know, when we think about, uh, actually, I'm in Matthew. I'm going to go to Luke, Luke 6 again, uh, Luke 6. When we think about uh, obedience, there's, there's uh, just thinking now of, of a several, several points of, or several things to consider. Uh, as it relates to the commandments of the Lord. In, in Luke 6, 27, we have several uh, specific instructions. Jesus says these words, But I say unto you which hear, love your enemies, do good to them which hate you, bless them that curse you, and pray for them which despitefully use you. And unto him that smiteth, thee on the one cheek, offer also the other, and him that taketh away thy cloak, forbid not take thy coat also. Give to every man that asketh of thee, and to him that taketh away thy goods, ask them not again. And as ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. For if ye love them which love you, what thank have ye? For sinners also love those that love them. If ye do good to them, which do good to you, what thank have ye? For sinners also do even the same. And if ye lend to them of whom ye hope to receive, what thank have ye? For sinners also lend to sinners to receive as much again. But love your enemies, do good, lend, hoping for nothing again, and your reward shall be great. And ye shall be the children of the highest, for he is kind unto the unthankful and to the evil. Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Now there he has uh, quite a number of uh, simple, yet, I say simple, probably not so simple in real life, simple yet profound uh, instructions for us. And this context has a lot to do with the, you would might say, the unbelieving world, the, the, uh, the, the the that individual that might resist you, that individual that might uh, uh, hate you, uh, might despise you for your faith, whatever. And then he gives us various instructions on how to respond in those kind of situations. Love your enemies. What does love look like? You do good to them that hate you. Uh, bless them that curse you. Pray for them which despitefully use you. And if they smite you on one cheek, turn the other also. Uh, yeah, just practical uh, 
instructions on how to uh, how to respond, how to live out your faith in that kind of an environment, that kind of situation. And then if we go to First uh, Peter, we see more of a of a instruction on how to actually how to live and respond in the context of of uh, more of uh, believers and brotherhood and such like. <clears throat> in First Peter, chapter one. Verse 22, seeing ye have purified your souls in obeying the truth through the spirit unto unfeigned love of the brethren, see that ye love one another with a pure heart fervently. Uh, then if you jump down to chapter 2, verse 1, wherefore laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Um, so there you have uh, uh, some instruction that is more focused on your friends, not your enemies, your friends, your loved ones, those who you relate to, those who you're close to, those who you associate with, those who uh, you do life with, uh, and some uh, uh, practical instructions on how to work and relate in those kinds of situations and and these are just a couple of small ones there's a, a lot of other scriptures we could read as well um, in fact if you go over to chapter 2 verse verse 13 uh, we have instructions as it relates to those in governments kings uh, governors uh, we have uh, instruction further down as servants and we uh, obeying their masters. And we often tend to, uh, because we're not in a master-slave relationship environment in our, in our world and country, we tend to look at that from the standpoint of employment and, and uh, giving honest uh, work in our employment uh, world. So, um, just some of the small ways, or I say they're small, they're probably not small, but some of the, the little uh, the things that, that we are instructed about, some of the practical day-to-day in, uh, commandments that, we are, that uh, we are to follow. We are to, uh, they cannot be substituted. Uh, obedience cannot be substituted. And then the next point I'd like us to consider just a little bit is that obedience requires faith. You know, when we think about obedience, you know, there's times when we are in the and even in the scriptures, you know, just for example, uh, if someone smites you on the one cheek, turn the other also. If uh, if someone uh, rails on you, don't rail back. Uh, speak kindly in return. Uh, if uh, someone takes advantage of you, uh, and takes you know this or that. Give them, give them, give them more. You know those things. To do those kind of things actually requires faith. Uh, 
because many times you many times you don't actually see any kind of result from that you know other than you are now short two coats instead of one coat or you now have two sore cheeks <laughs> you know many times you don't actually see an immediate result but the lord says this is what you shall do okay so if he says that's what we shall do then that is what we will do and uh and so it, it requires faith there's times when it might not make sense to obey in our practical mind of reasoning but obedience is always the right thing you know just think about abraham for a bit uh he was asked to leave his home country go to a foreign land place where he had never been settle his family there uh not being told for sure where he's going he couldn't um google it and review and figure out where he's going and what it's like there and what the people are like and what the crime rate is and you know and all those kind of things he couldn't uh get out google maps and see what the route is that he's going to go and how travelable it uh how how well it easy it is to travel and all those kind of things he was just told to go and so he went uh think about abraham when he was asked to offer his son you know as a, a, a as a sacrifice and again um uh, obedience required incredible faith actually but obedience also requires faith on our part uh, in our lives you know it might seem much smaller in our situations but reality is it's every bit as important uh you know sometimes the uh, uh to to give up something in our lives in obedience to the lord can be can feel tough it can be feel uh, difficult but it's always right it's always the the right thing to do uh <clears throat> even yeah it requires faith or maybe we should say it this way maybe we shouldn't say that obedience requires faith maybe we should say obedience demonstrates faith you know a little bit like uh uh James is it show me thy faith without thy works and i will show thee my faith by my works something like that so obedience demonstrates faith and that's really what James is saying there too uh he is saying that how do you demonstrate your faith without obedience is really what James is saying you know how do you do it so if you don't obey god if you don't obey uh his uh teachings his commandments his instructions his how do you demonstrate your faith how do you uh and i i i in turn i will show you my faith i will demonstrate my faith by my obedience and that is that is actually true if we we can we should say rather our uh, obedience demonstrates our faith <clears throat> so can 
can love, can faith be demonstrated without obedience? And the reality is, no, it can't. And then back to 1 John. In, uh, it's in chapter 5, verse 3. For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not grievous. And I guess I'd like to close with that question. Are, are the uh, commandments grievous? To obey, is it grievous to obey the Lord? You know, there's a difference between I have to and I, I get to. You know, the scripture when it speaks of obedience, when our Lord speaks of obedience, when John the Apostle speaks of obedience... He's not speaking of a forced obedience where I have to. I have to do this. I have to do that. I have to. He's rather speaking of a joyful, willing obedience that counts it a privilege, actually, to obey. Counts it a privilege to to be able to have the opportunity to obey. You know, when we understand what Christ has done for us, when we understand and we grasp that reality as we should, obedience and yielding to His Lordship becomes a privilege rather than a task. And the the purpose, when we understand the purpose uh, of... Uh, the guidance our Lord gives us. Uh, thinking about, uh, again, the, the, the uh, reference there about the wise man and the foolish man. It's, it's given in Luke and also in, in Matthew. And that if we... Uh, I'm going to turn to it. In Luke 6, verse 46 to 49, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He is like a man which built an house and digged deep and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the flood arose and the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man that without a foundation built an house upon the earth, against which the stream did beat vehemently, and immediately it fell, and the ruin of that house was great. So the uh, when Jesus speaks of obedience, when he speaks of hearing his sayings and doing them, you know, we, I, I mentioned earlier about the maintenance of the relationship with God. <coughs> Obedience, uh, the things that our Lord instructs us about are for the purpose of maintaining that relationship with God. 
and the person who maintains that relationship, the house will stand. But the person who does not maintain the relationship, the house will crumble. And uh, so obedience is is uh, should be a an opportunity because it's intended for the maintenance of that relationship that we cross the finish line well, that we cross the finish line with a with a healthy, vibrant relationship, and uh, and we don't need to hear those words "I never knew you," because we've been walking with God through life. And we know him and he knows us. And that is his will. Uh, he's not, uh, when Jesus says there in Matthew, uh, I never knew you. It's not that he is making himself distant to people because he doesn't want them. He's not. He's, he's, he's putting everything in here that we need to understand so that we can finish well. So that we can maintain the relationship that was established at conversion and maintain it through life and finish well. Uh, so it shouldn't be grievous, as it says there, as it says there in, in five verse three, his commandments are not grievous because they are they are they are the maintenance of the relationship. And uh, and I trust we all want to finish well. So the purpose of the commandments is that not that our lives would be miserable but that our lives would be blessed and that uh, and that our and that our, our we would be blessed for all eternity so m- obedience a mark of a disciple i say a mark it's not the mark because there are other marks also in the in first john but it is a mark if you want to know if a person is a disciple of jesus or if you want to know if you are the disciple you should be Ask yourself, are you obeying him? Is he Lord of your life? Are you walking in his commandments? Let's kneel together if you're able and we'll close with prayer. Heavenly Father, we come in Jesus' name again closing this message. Thank you for uh, this book of 1 John. Thank you for the apostle and his... uh, testimony of life that he had and and how he uh, passed on his wealth of understanding of the kingdom help us father to in our day understand it and live in its reality to uh, adjust our lives according to your word to be instructed from it and to uh, to walk pursue it diligently to seek uh, seek to obey you in all areas of life Father, again, ask a blessing on each one present. Thank you also for the freedom we have to gather. Pray for our governments that they could, would continue to allow us this freedom. And Lord, that uh, we would not uh, be careless about it, but seize the opportunities that are ours and uh, live our lives for your glory and for your honor and in the fullest possible way. So bless us, Lord, to that end, and give us strength and grace to continue a faithful journey with you. Thank you again. In the precious name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.